Okay. Hello and welcome to Sh- We're Reading Dirty Books. This is Salette. And this is Kalina. And we're a podcast who reads paranormal romance novels and talks about them. But hey guys, we don't know that may change. Uh, especially because the book that we're going to be talking about today isn't paranormal at all. No, so, it's a contemporary. It is a contemporary. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm oh. sorry. I, now I've just drinking a lot. Drinking? <laughs> That's not a word. No, it's not. A whole bunch of coffee and I'm, uh, I'm wired. That's okay. I am on my third white class, so I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> so we got one hyper uh, and one drunk. <laughs> this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome, guys. And we we either going to say you're welcome or we apologize. We don't know. We'll it's, see how it goes. It, it could go either way. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, Quickie, I want to just – should we just jump in? Let's just Quickie? fucking do it. Let's do I'm it. Good, Nobody needs good. any more bullshit. Yeah, you Who gives a care. fuck about our stuff? <laughs> 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 Quickie, what – movie have you boned while watching like oh, uh, maybe you've never finished it because you were having yeah. sex and you just never got back to it or maybe you did later like the next day you're like man i gotta finish that fucking book or movie <laughs> whatever but what movie have you boned movie. to yes it's bad to say that um because i didn't watch it i don't know <laughs> I don't know what the movie was. I do. I remember Dan and I's, and that was the Lord of the Rings that I'd already seen five hundred. Oh well, yeah, this is the Lord of the fucking Rings. And it's just kind of like, oh, you know, we kind of know what's happening. I don't know why we thought putting on the Lord of the Rings. Oh, I think I think what we did was we started it as a movie, and then we fell asleep that night. And then after he took his roommate to work, he put the movie back on when he came back in the morning. And then we, yeah, and then we had sex. Ah. And I know that this has happened a couple of other times with other people, but I honestly don't remember what the movies were. (laughs) I don't. I really don't. Not at all. So I have two different things. There was uh, this one guy who I was seeing, like, one of our first date, date, you know, kind of situations. I went over to his house and and he was showing me Doctor Who and I'd never watched it before. And it was that, um, the, the reboot, or not reboot, but like the new Doctor Who, so not the old original stuff that came out in the 50s but the mm. the more current 2000 stuff so chris eccleston as a uh, number nine i guess i've not um, watched any of it so well know. i've watched a lot of it so i know um but <laughs> i think we got through maybe like half of the first episode and i was like and then we were on the floor having sex and i was like <laughs> later on we had to go back and start the whole thing over again if you really wanted me to get into doctor who because sure there was no way I understood it from that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, a different time was, and I know everyone has an opinion about this movie, right? You either love it or you hate it. But we were trying to watch Inglorious Bastards, and I'm sorry, <laughs> that fucking movie is boring as shit. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. And we finally ended up just, like, quitting on it and having sex. And the next, that's it was the alternative. That, it, it was always the alternative, isn't that the alternative to everything? It's like, oh, we can just have sex and sex. I mean, it was it was sex. Valentine's Day, so you mm, know, okay. it was the whole thing. That's a terrible movie for Valentine's Day. <laughs> I do love that movie. I love that movie a lot. And the next day, I was like, we have got to just finish this, and we turned it back on, and literally only had twenty minutes of it. <laughs> So it wouldn't have mattered anyway. <laughs> so I mean, we, we ba- like that's yeah. I was not into that movie. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> do you get not? It. Do you not then like any of the uh, Phoenix movies? Then 
uh, his movies. Tarantino. I'm sorry, not Phoenix. Yeah, Joaquin. I kept thinking Joaquin Phoenix, and it's not Tarantino. That dude's dead. Joaquin Phoenix is not dead. River Phoenix is dead. River River Phoenix is dead. His brother is dead. dead. Yeah, sorry, not Joaquin. You're right. Um, No, Quentin Tarantino. I do like some of his movies. I just did not like Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that's so funny. I was like, I still, I just don't want. But (laughs) I think we did end up watching. But I was literally like, we. This is yeah. We were that not into it that. We only had 20 minutes left. We could have powered through, but instead we're like, nah. Oh my God, that's so funny. The Look. last, the last like five minutes of it's super good. <laughs> it's like the best part of the movie. I honestly don't know what it is. I couldn't even <laughs> tell you at this point. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I just know I was not, I was bored. I know I was sure. bored. And I'm not bored in most of his films. I don't know. I like Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction. Kill Bill. Yeah, and in Pulp Fiction. Did you like, have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes, that was fine. I thought the twisty end at the the take on the Sharon Tate murders was interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what Inglorious Bastards is about. Well, not Sharon Tate specifically. No, I know. Hitler. I know. And, Hitler, yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, I guess in general, I just cannot ingest any more pop culture about World War II. Mm. I can't <laughs> read any more books. I, literally every time a book is a World War II book, I'm just like, I can't anymore. I've read them all. I don't care. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I care, but I don't care. I've read it. I know it. I got that. Sure. I mean, I, I, I know did, what you're saying. I did your like 20th century European history was like my minor in college, and I fucking I've done it. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was numerous semesters of reading was just about World War II. <laughs> yeah. Like I've got it. We're fine. Like I just. <laughs> So I'm a little bit over and even like some of my favorite authors, like Eric Larson's one of my favorite. I fucking love Eric Larson. But his book, um, In the Garden Beasts in the Gar- in the Garden of Beasts or something, I don't remember. But anyway, it's his World War Two, like his mm. uh Germany in the preclude leading up to Hitler book. And I just even that I was like, Eric Larson, I love you, but I don't give a flying fuck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Is he related to Michael Larson by chance? I don't think so. He wouldn't be because Michael Larson's the character in our book. So. Oh, <laughs> good point! Yay, transitions <laughs> and segue into the book we just read, which is the Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang, narrated by Carly Robinson. You want to click notes? Us? I think it's just Robbins, isn't it? Yes. I didn't even write son. I just said it. I apologize, cool. Carly. Carly. Carly Robbins. Um, yeah, I will I will clip notes this. So again, this is our another contemporary book. I kind of mentioned it a little bit last week, but I do struggle when trying to find really diverse authors. There's plenty of diverse authors in romance, but not necessarily all of them write paranormal romance. And so we found a little bit of I just have found it harder. I'm not finding a lot of Asian authors writing mm-hmm. paranormal romance. So instead of like beating my head against the wall, I just was like, there's a ton of fucking Asian authors writing contemporary romance. Mm-hmm. Let's just read one of those. And this one has always been held up. It's been on a lot of lists as a really great book for its diversity and its inclusion of characters. And so we finally like, I was like, let's just read it. I've seen good things about it. And so that's what we read, The Kiss Quotient. Yeah. And, and- 
and it's just a high, another author that we're highlighting for the Asian American Pacific Islander uh, Awareness Month. Yes. Yeah. So to finish out AAPI Month, we are doing this book. And so we get introduced to Stella. She is an econometrics econometrician econometrician yes into econometrics (laughs) she does econometrics (laughs) for her job this is uh taking place in the san francisco tech region uh silicon valley silicon valley area yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, not just san like san fran is like close to it but i think they're down in like the san jose san juan whatever palo alto palo alto yeah where all of it like google lives you know yeah place (laughs) the fancy beautiful place she works for one of these companies that basically tracks your activity online and then uses data points about demographics to figure out how you're going to behave and try to sell you things you know how if you look up one thing about babies because you're going to a baby shower then every ad that is shown to you as a Uh. fertile woman for the rest of your fucking life is about (laughs) fucking babies (laughs) you're gonna regret that guess what's gonna show up when you're done with this episode Oh, no, it's already all I see. I went, like, I had a baby shower last year, and so I had to get some baby shit, and I bought it, and I bought it online at Target, and I sent it to the the lady, and literally every ad is like, are you about to have a baby? And I'm like, no, I fucking am not. Leave me the fuck alone. (laughs) Fuck you. And then, like, eventually it gets to the point where it transitions out of baby stuff and into it's always trying to sell me shit. Um, Like, stuff to test my hormonal levels so I can (laughs) plan my future children. Oh, so I think I think the algorithm's like, well, she's not pregnant yet, so she probably has problems. She Let's send her the like my- modern <laughs> fertility. Yeah, so I get like every ad is modern fertility. Do you need to know how many eggs you have? Are you concerned uh, about your, <laughs> your egg count? And I'm like, no, I'm fucking not. Fucking presumptuous yeah. fucking algorithms. So she works for this company <laughs> <laughs> that does that shit to us. <laughs> does but we love her so we do love her you know, like it's okay. i i will forgive her her choice of work. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway she is i think approaching 30 or is 30 yeah something we don't know but anyway she's at brunch with her parents and her mom is like stella we're ready for grandchildren <laughs> You know, the normal talk that you, you know, get. <laughs> all that fun shit that parents do to you. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she starts thinking about it and she realizes she's got a biggest, her bigger issue is she has Asperger's and she does not actually like relationships or kissing mm-hmm. or sex. Or being, social interaction is very hard for people it's, with Asperger's. It's a stressful situation mm-hmm. for her. She, you know, it gives her anxiety. She doesn't know how to, the normal typical social cues that people uh, with yes. ne- typical, like typical neural. Neural development. Development pick up on it are difficult for her. And so she stresses out about it. She has had sex. She's not a virgin. She's, she's tried it a couple times. She doesn't like it. And she realizes <laughs> it's going to be hard for her to get from current place to all the way to babies <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is what those her mom was those are huge steps and she's she's there. a single woman and she's got to get to babies and she's like oh that's gonna take some time so she she's trying to think out how she's gonna make this move and as as 
someone who's already kind of math oriented, problem solving, mm-hmm. data driven, super analytical, super yeah. analytical, super data driven. She figures that the best way is to learn. She can learn things. She just has mm-hmm. to be taught correctly. So she naturally goes to, I need someone who's going to teach me to be good at sex. I should get an escort. Yes. Who else is better <laughs> at sex than the person who has sex all the time? And then it's not awkward because I'm paying him to teach me versus yes. I'm trying to interact with a regular, you know, just a normal Mm -hmm. guy off the street and get him to teach me like it just hasn't worked out for her in the past so she's gonna take this path so she goes to the escort websites she looks him up and she finds michael and she books him for friday night michael is been escorting only one night a week fridays for a while he has a lot of family issues um Mainly, it seems like his father's a pretty big piece of shit. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he is like a con man, kind of, and has taken a lot of women for money. Yeah. Um, he was married to Michael's mother, but he has left her, and now they don't know where he is. And there's all kinds of like lawsuits and business about that and debt. And right after he left, Michael's mom got sick with cancer. She has terminal cancer. So uh-huh. since then, Michael's been home trying to take care of the family. He's got five sisters. He's the oldest. There's five, five sisters. sisters. <laughs> and mom and grandma. And dad's off nowhere to be seen. And so he's trying to hold the family together, work at the family business, which is a tailor, dry, dry cleaning, cleaning tailor shop. Yeah. yeah, like alterations shop. And that's what he's really good at. Anyway, he'd gone off to school for um, design and he was in New York working at a design house, but he had to come home to start taking care of the family. And he hasn't told anyone in the family this. They don't know how bad things are. They don't realize how much of mom's health care he is paying for because she did not have insurance. Mm -hmm. So he's decided he is good at sex. He likes it. And he's easy you know it's it's easy for him to not get attached because he has again hang-ups from his father sure (laughs) his father's a cheater he's cheated Uh on his mom the whole time so he figures if he just doesn't get into a serious relationship he doesn't have to be like his dad yeah so he'll just take he's very handsome they constantly say he looks like daniel henny if anybody which can we all just take a moment (laughs) we'll give you guys like a couple of seconds to google Google daniel 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 henny we'll give you a moment to get your breaths in your exasperation okay come back to us yep yep yeah that's who michael larson is fuck yeah sexy as fuck so anyway yes (laughs) so this is him as a as an escort he shows up and he's assuming he has you know two types of clients he's generally sees and he's anticipating one of those you know the older woman I forgot what the other one was. Or anyway, it doesn't matter. He sees he sees Stella and he's like, this is not what I expected. So he sits down, they have dinner, and she pretty much says, I need you to show me how to be good at sex. And I'd like to hire you for the next month or two mm-hmm. for you to teach me. I need to learn. And he's just like, that's not... Uh, he's like, let's do tonight. I can't commit to more because he doesn't like to do repeat behavior, like repeat right. clients because he has had a crazy client in the past. 
who's been too much of a clinger. Some cling. So he doesn't agree to her proposition, but he's like, let's try this out tonight and we'll see. So they go up, you know, they're in a hotel. They go up to upstairs to f- take care of tonight and kind of he starts kissing her and learning that she has a lot of sensitivities to different things. Uh-huh. The way, you know, mouths interact, you know, thinking about it like pilot fish cleaning the mouths of sharks. You, you <laughs> know, she doesn't she doesn't love French kissing. She doesn't yeah. like this. She doesn't want to be naked. She doesn't like mm-hmm. all this stuff. And he really is like freaking pretty good at he is so good working with her her from this very first night yeah and they don't even have sex this first night he just kind of holds her they watch a movie and fall asleep and and but he's intrigued by her like right away he is and and he's like she's too pretty and too sweet and innocent for this and and he's just like i you don't need this you just need a boyfriend and she's like no i've tried that that doesn't work Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and he does have a moment because they kind of look like they're they're heading towards sex and she shuts down she does like she just goes stiff and like shuts down and she starts kind of shaking and almost crying and he's like okay well i'm not gonna have sex with you like this and he's like has have men had sex with you like this in the past and she's like yeah three and then he's, he's pissed yes so he's like, no, that's not okay that anyone had sex with you in this condition. Like, that's... So then he gets all, like, protective and really mad at everybody that he thinks she's been with. Exactly. So anyway, that's their first night. She, You know, at the, the next morning, he's like, nah, I'm I'm not going to pursue this with you. Good luck. You know, you really just need a boyfriend. And she's like, no, that's not, that's not the answer. Like, she's kind of pissed. Yeah. She's like, that's not what I want. I just want somebody to teach me how to be good at this stuff. And so she basically admits that she's going to go back to the... The agency. Agency. It's back to the, the escort pages and find somebody. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, there's shitty people out there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't And do then that. he starts to get, like, protective. He's like, nope, you, no, you have to stick with me. Those yes. other guys are assholes. So he agrees that he can do one month yes. of, of Fridays. So that's, like, three more Fridays. That's all. And she's like, okay, with that for a while. Um, they they try some things out. She decides she doesn't really need the sex lessons. That can be worked on eventually with a partner when she gets one. She needs dating lessons. Mm-hmm. She needs mm-hmm. the conversation, the how to go on dates, how to like be in public with a guy. She needs all that. So she changes the rules kind of like in the middle of it. And she asks if he'll just date her for a month. Mm-hmm. And she will give him $50,000. Yes. <laughs> to date her for yeah. up to three months with up another front. additional 50000 for each month. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, no, that's crazy, but I'll do a month. And he moves <laughs> in with her. And he starts like, yeah, they go out to, on dates. And, and, and at first she's like, we don't need the sex part. Don't kiss me anymore. I don't want to kiss you. Well, not I don't want to kiss you. She wants the next time she gets kissed to be because they want to kiss her yeah she really yeah. likes kissing him but even from the beginning she really likes michael yeah she, she can tell she that she she's and she is in danger of becoming obsessed that's part of her asperger's is becoming very hyper focused on one thing mm-hmm. and so she's very worried that she's going to become obsessed with michael and like stalk him after they're done and all this stuff so she doesn't want to do any more physical intimacy because that would lead to you know wanting more than she yeah. can have so she's decided she's like no more physical stuff we'll just date and not do that and he initially agrees but then he decides he really wants to fuck her I mean, well just- yeah <laughs> they both are in this and they, they do not acknowledge that it's 
this is a very, very borderline fake boyfriend, fake girlfriend trope that we're used to reading and that we love so much. So yeah, there are those they, undertones. Yeah, she's immediately like, oh, no, I love this dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, she doesn't know if she loves him, but she knows she's definitely into him. Yes. And he is definitely not feeling like he feels with his other clients mm-hmm. towards her. He really likes her, but he also does like, well, she's beautiful and rich and smart and all of these things. And he is just an escort. So he's not good enough for her. So he's constantly like, I don't deserve her. I'm not going to be what she needs. She needs somebody smart like her and all this bullshit. A whole bunch of bullshit happens. (laughs) And in the end, of course, they start like hanging out more and he's living at her house and she goes over to dinner with his family and at first, very awkward. And he, well, here's the caveat. She doesn't tell him that she has Asperger's mm-hmm. or anything. She doesn't want to be a label. Right. But she knows that the minute she tells somebody, they stop seeing her as her and see her label. Yep. That's exactly and she, right. so she doesn't want to do that. And he doesn't pick up on it until he is at a club with her and they run into his cousin. Yeah. His cousin has a, has a, a, brother. a brother who has autism. Mm-hmm. And he's talking with Stella and hanging out with and she gets overstimulated at the club and is like having a panic anxiety attack and he takes her outside and she's like panting and breathing hard and trying to calm down and he's like you have autism and she's like yeah and she freaks out because she's like you're not going to tell Michael are you and he's like no but and, and so you but know she's you like, should yeah but you should like she's really in her head about this and she still decides not to but and it isn't until a little bit later that and he, yeah and even he he does not tell Michael yeah. he, he mm-hmm. holds he agrees to not tell Michael uh-huh. but he does kind of go do you ever think she's kind of like my brother a little yeah, bit a little and, bit later and then it clicks in him and Michael's like well sometimes but not really and, and then, then he and then eventually it. when they have when she comes over to his house his family's house for dinner the first time and just cannot stop fucking like making the wrong comments and like yeah. doesn't pick up on the social cues <laughs> that they don't want to talk about their dad yeah and shit like that but she's like but I don't understand where is he like why do you not know where he is and that fucking like, piano needs to be tuned as shit the piano. Where is <laughs> where's your father what's going on and they're yeah. like lady and stop microwaving plastic she, I know. she gets really obsessed about that that's such a I, I mean i'm gonna say it's probably not just an asian thing but my mom does that same thing too and i'm like stuff using that go buy I glass never seen anyone microwave a colander that is insane <laughs> to me and the fact that the lady put the noodles in the colander in the microwave oh, was like i know exactly which colanders they are talking about <laughs> they're bright pink or bright green and they are sold at the asian stores and you you are not supposed to microwave those i know exactly which ones they are because <laughs> those have also been in my microwave melting but still i'm like no that's so dangerous stop it yes no i resonate absolutely with i know i definitely i read that and i was like they microwaved in a colony oh that's yeah crazy uh-huh yeah mm-hmm. but anyway later that's when he picks finally he like is talking to his cousin again he's like did you mean is she autistic like and he's like you're an idiot yeah <laughs> asshole she fucking is i love their relationship the cousins i do love the cousins that They're is so sweet so sweet i do mm-hmm. i really love that I love the whole whole like Asian family like extended family thing. Yeah. And especially towards the end where he's talking with his cousin. Okay, so anyway, they get together like Yeah. <laughs> they keep fake dating. They break up because he's like, I can't do this anymore. You're 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 good. You know how to date now. You don't need me anymore. You can go on and be better. She at that point she had already tried she decided she just wanted to date him. Mm-hmm. So she was gonna try to seduce him. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> just so cute. She's like, maybe I can seduce my escort into liking me and as a person. And actually, like, really liking me. Yeah. Yeah, and being <laughs> uh, being my real boyfriend. And she just wants to be with Michael. And he leaves her. And she's not. And she interprets everything he says as, you're not good enough for me. Yeah. Even though he was saying, I'm not good enough for good you. Good enough for you. They just yeah. both are in their own brains about yeah. that conversation. And then she, <laughs> yeah. you know. He goes, they're both off being miserable alone. And then eventually, obviously, they come back together and he like gets his shit together and actually courts her and is like, I really do love you. And, and he I, warns her because he asked her to marry her at the end. He's like, I'm going to ask you to marry me in a couple months. So just be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I figured you needed a heads up. Just letting you know. So obviously, the, yeah, they end up together long term and he goes back, you know, he quits escorting. Mm-hmm. She basically secretly pays for his mom's health care, like gives him like she sets up a, a creating a, a fun foundation, foundation to pay for uninsured people's health care. And yeah, not just her, but other people pick, picks his mom and pays for the rest of her health care. So he doesn't have to. And he goes back to being a designer and all this stuff. It's all wonderful. Lovely, lovely. lovely. Oh, it's so good. I so fucking fucking love this book. I I started this book before you did, and that's why I texted you. I was like, oh my god, I fucking love this. I love this book. So all the feels, all for Stella and Michael, and really just anybody else except for Philip and his mom. Yeah, in this book, (laughs) those two sucked. Right for a minute there, I thought Philip was going to turn around because he did apologize. He said everything I said to you before I was real asshole. It was wrong, and then instantly he was a dick again. The kiss, yeah, the forced kiss. You don't fucking force kiss a no a coworker. Yeah. Like not That's... like you don't do it to anyone. Don't kiss anyone who doesn't want you to kiss them. Yeah. End of story. But especially not just like they work together. That's fucking yeah. awful. That's HR. Fuck you. Like, well, yeah. Oh, and the sexual harassment started even before when he was making those suggestions about her learning how to be in a relationship, how to have sex with people. Like, mm, no, you guys aren't girlfriends. Like, you're not friends. That stuff doesn't belong in the workplace. No. Don't All do of that. that was bad. All yeah. Philip sucked as a person. Especially because he was like, I, oh, oh, that whole dinner, (laughs) the whole, the dinner scene, the whole dinner scene was really awful. Even her father, Stella's dad, because he was all interrogating Michael about his life and, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you do? And you're not good enough. Like, just all those vibes that really suck. And I loved her mom because her mom was like, she takes care of herself. She has enough money. She doesn't need someone mm-hmm. to take care of her she just needs someone to love her stop fucking this up for her <laughs> yeah i was really afraid at first because you get that from both moms right but both uh, yeah. stella's mom and michael's mom about wanting the grandchildren we're ready to have the grandchildren and blah 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 and so that was pushing that that narrative at first and we get that a lot from a lot of the moms that are like i want grandchildren but she totally turns it on i think was her name Anne. 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 i think it's just Anne. yeah Anne. She totally turns it at the dinner scene and was super 100% supportive when Stella was like, can we just drop the whole baby thing for a while? I need to recoup, recover. I'm going through a lot. And she's like, of course. And she was super sweet and understanding. And I just, I loved, I enjoyed that moment between them too. I I loved it too. Because yeah, you know, a lot of moms are like that. But with a more neurotypical child, they can separate Mm -hmm. out and just be like, just leave me alone. I'll do what I want. But it felt like Stella just wants to make her mom happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that she's against, like, that she 
personally doesn't want to have kids. She has to work towards it. She does have but, to, yeah. But the fact that her mom wants her to have kids is, I think it weighs on her more. Yes. And, and she wants to make her mom happy and, 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 and do that for her mom. So she takes it more seriously. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, when someone tells me, like, when are you going to have kids? I go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't need to have that conversation with you. Like it doesn't your it, right. your your interest doesn't weigh into my choice. Right. Exactly. But to Stella it does matter. Mm-hmm. And so she wants to like that's why she's kind of started on this path was her mom expressed I yes. want to have grandkids and she's like, "Oh no, I got to go do this now." Mm-hmm. So yeah, so when she told her mom like, "I need you to back off." Yeah. Her mom was like, "Yeah, that's fine." Yeah. And even from the beginning her mom's like, "I always saw a more artistic person for you." Like Yeah. I think the idea that she would need to be with someone like Philip because they both are, you know, more math oriented and econometrics oriented, that's not a great relationship. You you guys work well as colleagues, but that's not going to be no. good, like in a long term relationship. You mm-hmm. aren't going to just want to come home and talk about more math. No, no. Like, and, and that was an awakening almost for Michael when he heard them talking about it because he could see her passion coming out when they were having that conversation over dinner about econometrics with Philip. And he was like, I can't compare to this dude. I fucking hate him. But yeah. I can't. I can't <laughs> compare. There's there is no way I'm ever going to be able to have these conversations with her because I don't know dick about any of this stuff. And so he and felt inferior at that moment. And But she doesn't need that. She already right. has it. And he'd already helped her figure out the problem because it was like when she was doing some of this econometrics she saw some data that was showing that men stopped buying their own underwear and she couldn't figure out why she wasn't understanding the why of it but she had all of this data that showed up into a point and they're buying other things other expensive things they start investing in but they're not buying underwear anymore and she's like what is happening and it finally he's like well yeah women buy the underwear for men mm-hmm. when you get it's in a relationship of, it's part of what they do as a in a family nesting. it's like a nesting, nesting thing yeah. yeah like and men just stop buying their own underwear not all but you know a lot most of them do yeah not mine because he doesn't wear underwear <laughs> well that's on him you can't fix that well, he actually does stop buying underwear then because he doesn't oh buy it. Nobody <laughs> buys it for him. It's my fault he doesn't wear underwear because I haven't bought him any. <laughs> this is your fault. Damn it. <laughs> but, um, and she's trying to figure it out. She has this, it, it, all the math really lines up to this beta, mm-hmm. but she can't figure out what the beta is. And then in talking with Michael, she figures out it's love. Like what, yeah. the, it's not just marriage, but even like before marriage, once they're in a steady state, stable relationship the women start buying the underwear and mm-hmm. so that's the beta of whether or not a man needs to be advertised underwear right <laughs> yeah. and so like and it's just so neat because that's a, something that she wouldn't have gotten out of a conversation with philip because they're both too math oriented focusing on the math whereas philip knows the reality <laughs> of like you know so then she buys him underwear she does and she's like if he wears it and doesn't buy himself anymore then it knows that i know he loves me <laughs> And at the end, when he finally is, like, confessing to her and she's talking to him, she's like, well, are you wearing my underwear? And he is. Yeah. It's so cute. It's so cute. (laughs) She's like, yeah, of course I'm wearing the underwear you bought me. And she knows that means love because her math says so. (laughs) And it all works out. I just love how Michael, from the very, very beginning, knew. Uh, he may not have caught instantly, obviously, that she's, you know, she's autistic. But from the very beginning, he knew that she needed different attention than all of the other uh, women he's ever been with. And he was good with her from the very, very beginning. Well, yeah, cause, I mean, he has an autistic cousin. And mm-hmm. so without 
co- it like was without, subconscious. Yeah, without consciously understanding what he was doing, he was behaving with her the way, you know, that he needs to take things with his cousin. With he, un- yeah. he understands, you know, how to introduce, you know, her to new things, give her the, you know, choice and the control. The control mm-hmm. is a really big one for Stella. And he works through that with her from the very beginning, from that first date. That first date. He just does it unconsciously because he already has kind of grown up knowing how to interact Mm -hmm. with somebody with Mm -hmm. Asperger's or or, or autism. So he is definitely the right choice. I mean, it's just fate that she chose him out of all of the other ones on that uh, escorting site. And didn't end up with somebody who would just be an asshole. <laughs> well, that and he looks like oh. Daniel Hennings. Yeah, Henning. obviously I would pick him too on the fucking... <laughs> Holy crap. No, I did have to say, like, I looked him up because I needed to know what this dude looked like. And I'm glad I did. He's a very attractive man. But in my head, I kept referring back to Simo uh, Liu. Simo Liu. From uh, Shang-Chi. Just because he's just the, he's just like the token Asian dude in my head. And I don't know. And like Michael, the character Michael in this book is into martial arts. And so he's like super ripped and he's got those dragon tattoos. Oh, my God. That tattoo. <laughs> that fucking tattoo in the description that fucking Helen writes for this dude. Helen, you've got me going fucking insane it is the sexiest fucking description of a tattoo over his leg and he's got the ideal body that i am attracted to i'm not into the really big ass big ass muscles like it's the trim fit uh martial artist type of body Mm -hmm. that he's got and i'm like oh and the way that he's got this dragon that just wraps around his from his shoulders all the way down to his torso like it's like got hidden secrets in his pants and shit like it's like the oh it's so fucking sexy i love so good at one point after they'd kind of parted ways before the very end where they get back together of course he was talking about his dragon tattoo and he's like god the dragon probably misses stella just as much i mean she kissed she kissed him all the time <laughs> she was very intrigued by the dragon. She, she never thought she'd be into tattoos, and then she Mm-mm. saw his and just, just like in love with it. And it yes. was like, yeah, so sexy, sad. Like just like that one solid piece mm-hmm. across his from shoulder to hip, across his torso. Oh, oh sounded so hot, so fucking good. <sighs> So and he is a Vietnamese descendant. So his dad is white and his mom is Vietnamese. So you've got that because he's got that like golden hair. They said, or she yeah. said, it's like a uh, yeah. like a lighter brown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so and he, five fucking sisters. Can you imagine? <laughs> Jesus no, I was instantly like, oh god. <laughs> and that was part of the reason why Stella was so overly stimulated. Well, she was nervous to begin with when they first had dinner. Yeah, at his house. But then they've got the five bickering sisters. <laughs> Yeah, a bunch of like and like and grandma keeps turning up the uh, Asian opera, yes. turning the TV louder and louder and louder. Other mm-hmm. sisters playing on the piano, and like three of the An sisters are yelling piano. at each other. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't have Osbergers, and I want to not be in this house anymore. <laughs> oh my I god! I too would like to leave, please. I- Oh my god. This whole book had me going. God, it was it was beautifully written. And there was so so there's sexual I keep changing everything in the subject. Sexual uh interactions that they had throughout this book because that's what the premise is. She is hiring him mm-hmm. to teach her. Well, 
later on she does just change it to be in a relationship but but they still, they still yeah they still end up doing it then he teaches her about foreplay and just all of like he's he asks her questions about her past experiences and she lets him know she's a very bad liar so of course she's like telling him exactly what it is that she's been through she's like i've done it just because they wanted to but it was never satisfaction to me well they wanted to but she also wanted to she was like i i yeah, just yes. wanted to get it done and mm-hmm. try it out and she didn't like it and it was never about her none of the none of her mm-hmm. previous partners ever took that into account and it was always you know just them sweating and grunting over her yeah <laughs> while they was. completed which does not sound like fun for anyone. <laughs> no, it's not fun for and and like that's almost kind of like traumatized her in a way that she's just like when he gets her almost to completion for the first time. I don't remember if that was with his hands or with his mouth. I think she his told- hand and, and okay. she was like, no. she's, she told him to stop. She's like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. <laughs> she's like, I only do that with myself. Yeah, and he's like, mm, we're gonna have to get over that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's. It's better with another person, so. Oh, my God. He was just so, so good with her this whole time. It was great. Yeah, it was really, really good. And so the first time that they actually have intercourse, this was a beautiful scene, too. It was very well descriptive. It was hot, but it was so gracefully written in a way that he, I mean, he's always been, you know, understanding of her of her sensitivities, even though maybe he didn't realize that it was from autism. But the first time they actually do it, he actually flips her over. Yeah. Because, you know, the eye contact and the, the face. Face to face was face too to much. Face to face was too much for her. So he flips her over and then they, they and do And she's it. like, oh, yeah, this is better. <laughs> yeah, much better. <laughs> because like, then, I, I, yeah, I, there's not the eye, you know, looking mm-hmm. into each other's souls kind of situation <laughs> she was struggling with. And she's like, oh, no, yeah. I like this. Mm-hmm. So that was a good scene. That was a good scene. And lots of bringing up condoms situation. Lots of here. condoms. Those mm-hmm. are very important. Safety. I liked the one where they he were fi- they were away. At, yeah, at his house because they were just supposed to like be grabbing something yeah. and then leaving. But yeah. she like immediately like got in his bed and he was like, oh my god, I have to you know have sex with her in my bed. <sighs> but all of his condoms were in his car, so yeah. he had to run down to get them. And then she of course goes snooping because she she knows she shouldn't, but she's like, I got to do this. Anyway. She can't help it. She cannot help herself so she starts reading his mail and she finds out about you know how he pays for his mom's health care and and what his real last name is because he told her something else yeah and all this stuff and so then he comes back up and she's like crying yeah and then they did end up because she she fell she fell in love with him at that moment she she realized what he was sacrificing for his mom yeah she put it all together that he was escorting because of his mom's health Mm -hmm. and so she fell in love with him and she couldn't tell him because they were still supposed to be just client and <laughs> vendor i guess <laughs> yeah, <laughs> terrible <laughs> terrible thing to be but yeah i mean the whole time and he's helping her with like not just the physical aspects mm-hmm. of it but also like the emotional and mental pieces of it because he he's like the first time he's he's going down on her and he's just like I'm going to call it. And she's like, no, don't. And she she doesn't want yeah. him to say the words or any words. And he's like, no, I have to. I have to say it. He's this, like, what? This is a beautiful pussy. And she's yeah. like, no, no. She's like, Shh, don't say it, Michael. Don't. Don't say don't. it, Michael. 
no, Michael. And he's, he's like, like, no, pussy? that's the way it has to be. And, and then he talks about how he didn't even know the real words for it until he was like. The, the Vietnamese word for it. Yeah, when he because was... his, his mom and sisters use other like aphorisms like sweet potato. And yes. <laughs> I relate to that so much. And I love that. I love that. It's so sweet potato. There's a lot of words that I didn't know in Khmer until we got older. We learned from other Cambodian kids. My brother and I, and it's like, oh, I had no idea that was what that was called. But when they referred to our vagina, it was like grandma. It was yay. That's such a terrible <laughs> or like your little girl or something. Other oh, thing to call it. it is not a good thing at all. I feel like that in and of itself is trauma to call your vagina grandma. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, it's it's not a good thing, guys. Like that yes. is not healthy. <laughs> Stop showing your grandma or your old lady or your your little girl or whatever to people. Yeah, there were just a few different, you know. It's like uh um that's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. But I totally get it. I'm like, oh yeah. Well, that brings us to our kiss and tell. I think yeah. what we should do for this episode, which is what do you want to call it? Like, <laughs> what is your word for it in bed that makes you hot and sexy and not yeah, cringy? For any so, pieces, any parts, whatever, say it. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, I mean, I love the word cunt, um, but I think I mainly I like it because Emily hates it. She hates that word and I like she to use does. it because I just like to annoy Emily. <laughs> Sorry, Em, I love you. I don't have a problem with the word pussy or vagina, dick, cock. I don't really have a problem with any of them. I more have a problem with if Dan wants to start calling me sweetheart, then I'm going to have a problem. But as far <laughs> as like, you know, words or descriptions or whatever it is for my physical body parts, I don't I don't really like that. No, I don't like talking during sex. So I don't want to hear, oh my God, your pussy so wet or my dick's so hard. Like, I know. That's... <laughs> That's why we're having sex, because I'm ready and you're ready. I don't need you to reiterate shit to me. This mm -hmm. is it. We are not a storybook. We don't need to be narrated. Let's just get this done. Sh shut up. <laughs> I'm so weird. I'm just a weird, weird person. But as far as, like, talking about the parts, it's not a, it's not a, not a big deal for me, I don't think. No. I, I don't know. I can't decide, because I don't love all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? Maybe I don't want my vagina to be called a cunt. I'll, I'll give you that. Maybe I don't like that. I love that word as a word, but I don't want it. I don't want my vagina to be labeled as a cunt. No, I don't want that either. I don't want you to call that like, oh, I just love yeah. a cunt. I just would be like, mm, really? I'm okay But with I pussy. like the word. I think it's a good word for other circumstances. It's not sexy, though. It's not. It's, it's derogatory. <laughs> Yeah, it's a sexy word. So I think pussy is the only one that's like, I think it's the best one for yeah, because even sexy like, times. Because vagina is very like I I don't mind a vagina, but it is clinical, too right? It politically feels, correct. Yes, <laughs> it feels you know accurate to medical choice, like medical science. It's what it is. It's a vagina. It's a vagina. You know, well, technically it's a vulva. The whole thing's a vulva. Vagina is just the small part. But, but yeah. So I think pussy definitely more encapsulates it as a sexier object. Yeah. Yeah. To be you know engaged with. Yeah. So I like that. I think he did a really good job of pushing. You know, obviously, not too far past her comfort, but mm, helping mm -hmm. her see like because she would respond when he talked like that, even though she was like, "No, don't, don't, Michael, don't." Yeah. <laughs> 
He's like, right. but I just really like to say, and, you know, and she'd, and then he'd, she'd still respond sexually to him. So he kind of was like, you like it when I talk dirty. You just don't want to like it when I talk yes. dirty. <laughs> and he's so good with her. Yeah. During and he those knows that moments. he's not going to get the response. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, when you want it, you have to call it a cop. At no point in this book does she do that. <laughs> She's like, mm, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to be able to say that She's word. Like, I don't think so, bud. And so she, you know, but he's like, okay, fine. She can't. Yeah. So she doesn't, you know, and that's okay. I think, yeah, dick or cock are better words. I don't think, you know, penis, again, it's clinical. It feels like I'm at the doctor discussing something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So that's for the book. And then that kind of takes us into the fun fuck fact for this week, which is an article I found on dame.com. And it's called The In and Outs of Navigating Dirty Talk by Laura Delorado, and it's from February 17th of 2022. And she has a whole just article about talking with your partner about what kind of words you like, what words you do not like, you know, what feels too formal or too clinical. There's nothing, it's a bigger turnoff than a misused label, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like if someone were in the middle of sex and to say something like, I think, yeah, pee-pee, I'd be like, "Mm, no. (laughs) Uh, No, what? Mm, Stop. What did you just say? No, we aren't going to go forward (laughs) with this. (laughs) And like part of her, you know, recommendations is talk about it outside of a sex time so that you can like know beforehand or even like after you've had sex but at some point don't do it in the middle of because that can be a little bit more challenging but you know what words turn you on versus what words do you not want to hear at all in mm-hmm. a in the bedroom situation go slow because it could be hard and like feel awkward to start using some of the talk when you're getting going and yeah um it feels embarrassing but it shouldn't be so identify what things you can't say and can and then feel free to laugh. <laughs> Give you permission to laugh. Because, like, we talk yes. about a lot. Like, it's fucking hilarious. Like, should be Sex funny. This is a funny So thing. don't take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> play a game. Try not talking. Take on a role. These are all advice. So if you read the article, you'll get the whole story. I'm not going to read it to you. That would be silly of me. Yeah. <laughs> it will be shared for you, We too. will share it. Yeah. So I think another thing to mention right before we close was the way that Helen wrote the characters as far as like, I don't like to use the word power, but in this one, it was sort of flipped, right? So traditionally in the books that we've ever read, it was always the men that were like wealthy and had that, you know. So many contempt. This is why we aren't big contemporary readers. Personally, this is why I personally am not a big contemporary reader. One of the like largest tropes in contemporary romance is the billionaire, the millionaire mm-hmm. man finding the like intern who works for his company and yeah, taking her on as his personal you know, sex person anyway. Like, I mean, it's just the the power dynamics is really... That's what I was ...skewed, and I do not... I hate those. I hate that trope. I cannot stand it. So that's why we don't read that. We mm-hmm. haven't really read it. Beauty and the Professor was a slight... Yeah. Because he was, was a wealthy professor, and she yeah. was a poor grad student. Mm-hmm. And so there was a little bit of that, and it's not my favorite. But it was so fun in this book to flip that trope on its head. Yeah. Because Stella has fucking money. 
She not just is well paid for her job, she really is. She's like in the top of her field and is really good at this econometrics that she does and keeps getting promotions and stuff at work. But she has a trust fund from her family. Like she just has always had money. It's never been an issue for her. But also simultaneously isn't a source because I think partially because of her Asperger's, she just doesn't associate it with like a power structure the way a lot of men with wealth do, where it's a control thing. Yeah. And she's not frivolous with her spending or anything. She's not. She only buys the – like her house is basically un- decorated yeah she only has like a table and two chairs that she sits at and literally all she needs and a bed and a tv but she doesn't have extravagance Mm -hmm. she buys the things she likes but she doesn't have a lot of place to spend money so when she makes this decision to go down this path of learning um a relationship learning sex she has the money to do that and she's willing to spend it on michael just because she wants to learn And he stops accepting her money at one point. He just, like, when he breaks up with, kind of breaks up with her, he gives back the Mm $50,000 check she paid him for the beginning because he's he was proving to himself that he wasn't like his father who was a cheater and a a con man and would take money from women he was like no i don't need your money and that actually hurt her because she interpreted that as if she became his charity case yeah like he only did what he did and helped her because he thought she needed the charity to do it whereas if he had just accepted her as a regular client he would have taken her money it would have been fine but and she knew that he had those hardships that he needed that like that fifty thousand dollars was huge and could have helped him out a lot absolutely paid all kinds of bills and so but it was interesting to read uh with this power dynamic flip because instead of him being in power with all the money and controlling her life and i mean she didn't control his life it wasn't that kind of flip but it was like she had the money and she just wanted to do nice things and at the end the only thing he allowed her to buy for him was that underwear She tried to buy him a car. She tried she to did. buy him all this other stuff. And oh, he's like, no. Like, he even started paying for their dates out, which I yeah. also, I was stressing about. <laughs> because I all, you know, we knew that he was financially yes. like, strapped. And I was like, let her take you out. Let let her t- <laughs> just let she, her pay for the fucking ice cream. Bit. I mean, it's okay. You don't always have to pay. <laughs> just let yeah. her pay. I was there anyway. with you. <laughs> but no, that was also that was a super interesting part of this book and why yeah. I like this kind of contemporary better than that billionaire trope in contemporary writing. I just don't yeah. want a man with a bunch of money to control my life, which is all those books are. Sorry. Yeah. No, it just seems like they, they're able to exploit that a little bit. They exploit it a little bit differently than I think women would, or at least in this case, specifically. Well, because yeah, she color. specifically didn't try to exploit right. She just was like, she but didn't. I just have it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Well, she's so black and white, you know, because of because her of her autism. Asperger's, and, yeah. Yeah. And so it, they say she does say Asperger's at first, but then for the rest of the book, they say autism. So I think. Well, Asperger's is on the autism spectrum. So I yeah. think that's, you know. So then they just use it for the rest of the book, which is, you know, fine. But yeah. And so, yeah, in the end, they break up, but then he works hard at like getting back with her because at first she's like, no, this is not going to work. And so he just keeps trying and trying, sends her a whole bunch of flowers, punches Philip in the face. and um, I love that. I know I did too. Oh, and I just love that. That I can't remember that cousin's name. It's Quan's brother. What was his name? I feel bad. I don't remember his name. I don't um, but he just like comes 
walking up next to me like yeah and he's also like buff and muscular and like what are but, you gonna and do he's the look? slightly scarier looking yeah buff muscular Asian he looks he's like fully like a, tatted like yes visibly tatted uh i just love that i love their family dynamic is really it's They're just so really cute. endearing to me yeah well and at that end there he like he's talking to his cousin and he's like i need you know because everything's really been taken care of now mm-hmm. the bills are gone he his mom is like stop working at the dry cleaners stop it you i don't need want you to here. go i don't want you here you need to go do yourself you know pursue your dreams you've put them on hold for me for long enough and i don't need it anymore because she's feeling better her doctor says she's doing better mm-hmm. and so he realizes he needs to leave but he's not comfortable without her having help and all of a sudden his cousin's like we have a ton of cousins who know how to sew and need jobs like always like you know like why don't you ask the family before and so this one uh, they you know mentioned some other cousin who just recently had a baby needs a part-time job and and is a good seamstress perfect for this you know job to help out his mom and instead you know he spent the whole what like it's been like three years i think of his life without asking for any help from the family because he was so embarrassed by what his father had done but yeah the whole time the family's like we're right here (laughs) like we mm-hmm. haven't gone anywhere. You can ask us for help, too. So it was so sweet. I did love that part. And it then was. he and his cousin went into business together because his cousin's getting his MBA. Yeah. And so he's going to do the business management side of, of uh, Michael's. He's going to start his own line, his Designing. own designer yep. line. Uh, which I love. Oh, and that actually, so she flipped gender roles in this book. Oh, all the gender roles. Everything. With the, the sex work and the um, becoming a clothing designer. And she's powerful with the money. And it's money just, yeah. Money and the, oh, the, the, so the power beautiful. and the control. And mm-hmm. all, the, all the gender roles, roles are flipped. And I loved it. It was super. And her <sighs> writing was amazing. I cried so many times in oh, this I book. Oh, I did too. It's so, so many feels. I was like, all over the place on the emotions. So good. Well yeah, done. I highly recommend. This is one of my favorites for sure. And actually, this is like, I, I know we've always talked about, you know, trying to switch in or put in a little bit more contemporary, but this one is just like, you know, nail in the coffin. I'm 100% for it because yeah. I just love them. They're so, re- they're so much more relatable because they're real They're people. more relatable. <laughs> I think right now with everything at its kind of peak, I, I you know I've mentioned it a lot, especially since the pandemic started happening, but I just am struggling with sometimes in our paranormal books, too much is at stake. Yeah, too The much. world is at stake, the fate of humanity is at stake, and they have to save everything, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel as if that's too, honestly, too realistic. <laughs> it is. It's already we happening in real life. An existential crisis where if we do not fix mm-hmm. our behavior, climate change wise, this world's done. Well, We're fucking killing ourselves off. Yes, we are. We're in the middle of what could turn into a serious mm-hmm. new Cold War or serious hot war between two powers with nukes. Yeah. That's terrifying. There's so many different things in the world today that are literally terrifying and humanity is on the precipice that i can't read books where if this dragon couple doesn't get together the world ends and i'm like i can't deal with this it's too intense we are reading those books to escape into a different reality to make us feel better we don't need the pressure i'm feeling less good i'm feeling more (laughs) pressure whereas at least in a contemporary book like this one yeah all that's at stake is these two people's happiness Mm -hmm. like i mean that's big and important but it's not human Humanity. Right. If they didn't get back together, that would be sad, but it wouldn't break the world. No. It would not break the world. It doesn't all depend on it. It's nope. not. The world can continue. <laughs> 
it's just unnecessary. Yeah, so I like that. And so I think I agree with you. I think we might start reading some more contemporary books, just intersperse them with our Mm -hmm. paranormals, because I really do need there to be less dramatic consequences for humanity if people don't fall in love. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It's so crazy. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, that that's pretty much pretty much the whole book. So let's do our rating. Cool. Then we can. Yeah. So I've I'm giving this a 10 straight out for both sex <laughs> and book. It is one of my absolute most favorite. I sensed it from the very beginning when I texted you and then it finished off and I was like 100% satisfied. I fucking, fucking loved this book. It's one of my favorites. Absolutely. Um, I honestly, I have to agree. I think it's the fucking, I just don't have anything negative to say about it. No, and the only like, negative ev- feelings you have is like towards Philip, right? He's right, like, Philip's up. And his mom, and but Philip's that's part mom. of like the story building. And I don't hate like the story of it. It's just, I don't like the character. And even the whole, like that whole dinner scene was really tough. That was mm. like, it kicked up my anxiety and stuff. But that's the point of it. There's <laughs> yeah. always going to be a scene like that. And that doesn't make, you know, that's part of it. It has to be like that. I loved how even in that scene, Stella stood up for herself. And at yeah. the end, at first she kind of let them all say the negative things and then she couldn't take it anymore. And even to her own father was like, you treated him badly. Why would he yes. tell you the truth? Why would he tell you that he's he's got a taking, sick mom taking and- time off to care for his mother with terminal cancer when you're already thinking badly about him? He doesn't yep. need to share that with you. And it was so important because his dad, you know, her dad was just like, well, he's not good enough for you. And it's like, you don't fucking know him. Don't mm-hmm. judge him. I just, oh, I fucking love that scene. Yeah. It Even was though great. it was hard to watch and she was hurt and upset because he had left her. Oh, I yeah. love this book. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was in tears. I was laughing. There was a point where he was calling Philip Dexter, Simon, Alice. He just gave him this name because he, <laughs> she refused to give him a name for Philip. <laughs> She wouldn't tell him who it, because he had kissed, um, Philip kissed her at work one day uh, mm-hmm. and asked her to go to the uh, charity the dinner. dinner with him. But since she had mentioned she was dating a guy, but she wasn't sure if it was serious or not. She was hoping yeah. it was serious, but she didn't know. And he was like, that guy's not good enough for you. I'm I'm good enough for you. We're perfect together. And yeah. then he Ugh. tried to kiss her in the parking lot. And she didn't want to kiss him, but he did it anyway. Yeah. And she, she was meeting Michael for lunch and she shows up and she immediately runs to the bathroom and starts washing her mouth out because she can taste Philip and she doesn't <gasps> like it. Oh, and then they had well sex in the bathroom. They had really oh, good I forgot about this fucking scene dude <laughs> that was such a hot fucking scene i in my head i was like we got to talk about this scene and i don't like we're getting we're like ready to close out but everything keeps coming back dude well, there's too many good sex scenes oh, there's a i mean lot it starts early in the book like that very first hotel scene even though they don't have sex just yeah. like they're kissing and they're touching is so well done it's and so it's so hot and it's so it's hot from like i don't know 15 20 minutes in and you're already there and you're like holy shit and then yeah. they still don't have sex for a while but they have a bunch of other stuff in between oh my god it's there's too many scenes to discuss they're so good and he, he picks her up and like carries her everywhere he does he does do he that. literally just like all the because she's uh, she falls asleep a lot she does <laughs> Her, her, like the stress of interacting yeah. with people makes her tired. It it's tires exhausting. her. Yeah. So as soon as they get into the car and he's driving, she just goes to sleep. She and just so comes like, out. A lot of times he's like, well, this will be the night. We'll go home and have sex. And then she's asleep and he's like, never mind. <laughs> 
Oh, so good. It's so good. I'm so happy we picked this book and Me read it. too. I, I'm glad you found it. I'm just, I'm so in love with it. I love everything about this. It's just one of the most highly recommended romance mm-hmm. books. So as soon as I was like struggling with to find a paranormal book by an Asian author, I was just like, never mind. I just want to read this just one. <laughs> yeah. This has been on my list anyway, and I'm going to read it. So. Oh, it's so good. I'm glad you found it. Awesome. Well, that then takes us on to our next book, guys. So read this one. We love Love it. We recommend it. It's it's one of the best. So for our next book, we're going to read Chastely Bitten, book one of the Blood Alliance series by none other than Lexi C. Foss, my favorite, uh, narrated by Kale Williams and Sarah Puckett. So join us for that. Yeah, and that'll be next time. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out on all of our social media. We are Shh Dirty Books at Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can email us directly at shdirtybooks at gmail.com. And you can visit us on our website at shdirtybooks.com and most places that you can find podcasts. And uh, thank you so much, Jim Townsend, for our music. And with that, we'll say goodnight. This is Selat. This is Kalina. And we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, you've been listening to Shh, Reading Dirty Books with Kalina and Selat. Be sure to tune in to the next episode some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format that allows you to give a rating, please do that for them.